This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. All righty. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants, IT specializing in the accounting industry. And with us today, Jason Stats. And we were having a pre-show chat about just his background and like the the coolest thing I you know in the research and we were just hitting on this and now I'm gonna dig deeper even though it's not a big thing that you you hit on so I mean Twitter famous YouTube famous but owning Jason.cpa <laughs> where what was going on in your head when you purchased that I think that's so cool it's a real nerd badge isn't it um at a, it was shortly after they'd come out with the CPA domains. I was talking on Twitter about it at the time. Uh, QuickBooks.cpa was available. Zero.cpa was available. Uh, somebody swooped Dental.cpa right like a week before I got it. But as was, I don't know, two years ago, there was all sorts of great domains out there. And I feel like when it comes to domains, it's very rare you regret like sitting on, like grabbing that like very relevant to you domain especially like the one word yeah. domains are Our letter yeah yeah like i was i was sharing i'm friends with uh michael who owns vpn.com and they mm -hmm. they dropped something nine hundred thousand ish in change on that domain and it's like prime three letter.com oh, yeah. you know like if anyone has a question about vpns and you send them there they're not going to be like, I don't know if I could trust him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're investing like that. You you probably know a thing or two. So, so coming back around though, what was your background to to sort of build up the the community that you have and get the followers that you have? We'll we'll just hit on the Twitter platform first. What did sort of the the journey look like for you there? Well, my background's in public accounting. I ran a firm, a team of about 40 in Oregon. And I first came to Twitter probably shortly before COVID, but I think COVID accelerated collaboration. There was just so much stuff happening. And the notion of sifting through all of that stuff yourself was just outrageous. So, you know, every time there was an update or something like that, you have tens of thousands of firms around the country effectively doing the exact same thing, the exact same research. And the folks on Twitter very quickly figured out this is the place to be, to get up, get up to speed on things, to not do things in quite such a siloed way. So that was the hook for me. 
uh, and it became a huge force multiplier for everything else I did. I mean, there was, I'm, I was, you know, the most informed person at, at my firm and everybody's like, how are you, like, how are you just picking, you must be sitting there researching all day. Uh, but like, that's how these algorithms work, right? Is they're, they're floating the best stuff to the top. So that was how I started down that path. Um, and like just sharing value, sharing what I'm learning, like sharing how I apply that to the kind of the lens of how I work, which is more tech and automation focused, but that was how it all got started and made a bunch of friends and got through COVID together. And so why were you posting on things like with all the updates from like cares act and things like that? Oh yeah. That, that was probably huge then. Yeah, so the 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 bills come out, and then you've got the regs, and then you've got just all the shenanigans with the IDA loans and the SBA, and what's going on at the portal. And it just seemed like every single day there was something new developing. And then ERC, and you know, still the drama we're having around that. Um, it was just a wildly efficient way to gather information um, rather than all of us doing all of the same work in a siloed way. So you're kind of curating and putting it all together, bundling it nicely for everyone to be I mean, able to. Like I'm not. I would like like there was. I would pick up tidbits and I would share share what I had. But you also have like some of the foremost thought leaders and tax and stuff like that on Twitter. Uh, so I would if I had any anything of value to contribute. Absolutely. Like I did some automated reporting around ERC stuff. Uh, and I, I shared that and I open sourced, you know, the Airtable template. So like through the lens of what I could do, I did, but it was, it was tens of thousands of people contributing and that's like what made it great. And automation's always a, uh, a hot topic, uh, for, for myself. And so when it comes down to looking at automation through the lens in a firm, I know sometimes people are reluctant to change they're afraid like can i trust it and you know we run into people still today i i have a client it's one of my favorite like anti-tech stories of they used excel but just as like a ledger to like organize things they weren't even using like the math functions inside excel yes. it was still calculator with tape yeah. And, and I was just sitting there like, you know, that computers can do He's like, I don't trust computers. And it was like, I mean, you know, good, good for you that like you, you're so spot on that you don't make mistakes, but you're also missing this gigantic opportunity that you don't need to be wasting time going down this road because you are so great with a calculator and never make mistakes. And the, the notion of that, I mean, everybody's kind of in their own head, but what what kind of, what did your journey look like as far as going into the automation world? Uh, I, I mean, I think like there's been so many um, kind of interesting kind of evolutions of the profession and, and a, a big one was definitely desktop to cloud. So I was... I've been doing this, I don't know, 15 years. So I was coming of age at a really exciting time when the cloud products were first starting out. Frankly, they were terrible. Um, but the paradigm shift of 
being able to integrate data across your cloud apps was just so powerful um, that it became a great opportunity for us to not necessarily turn people on to cloud accounting because in the early days, cloud accounting wasn't as good as desktop accounting, but turn them on to the, like, the entirety of the cloud and what running your business in the cloud and being able to integrate all your different apps looks like uh, and kind of getting them over that threshold of it's not about comparing desktop to cloud accounting. It's more about what does your business look like running it in a more manual way on-premise, that sort of thing, versus running it on a like integrated set of cloud apps. So that was just a really exciting time. And, um, you know, cloud apps getting better about offering open APIs. And then you pull in API connectors like Zapier and stuff like that to, to then start building your own more bespoke integrations. Um, it was just, it was kind of like the perfect marriage of that that accounting expertise, but also like the really scalable upside of helping people with data problems. And I I got into the the low code no code Zapier world probably 2014 15. I remember discovering that there was a way that I didn't have to just copy paste. It was like, get a new client. And it's like, copy, paste the email into the CRM, copy, paste the email into the PSA, copy, paste the email into QuickBooks and into, into MailChimp and uh, send out this email to them. And then remember in three days to set up this. And I remember discovering it and just being like, there's no way that this exists. Like that this just automates all of these things that don't have built in like click here for your office 365 integration, like that you could yeah. just integrate just a bunch of apps that don't actually communicate with each other and then make them communicate with each other. And then man, like the deeper you go into that, that opens up yeah. so but, many but doors. When you start, you don't trust it, right? So like your first reaction is like, whoa, this is wild. Like you can really do all of these things. And like, you know, just like the Excel person, you don't really trust it, but you take it for a spin. And before you know it, it's like, it's almost this forgotten, like new floor of productivity. Uh, the fact that you don't have to do those things anymore. And then when you do, it's like this, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so beneath <laughs> me. Why am I having to wade into this stuff, you know? But, but like, that's absolutely... I think a natural human reaction to something transformative like that. We're seeing it in a really big way with AI right now and accountants reactions to AI. Um, but honestly, that's just human nature. I think the, all you have to have is like a level of curiosity to be willing to learn more about it uh, and what it, what exactly it means for you and the way that you work and the way that your clients work. And I think as long as there's a healthy level of curiosity there, you, you don't get left in the dust. And what's been in the news recently, and it's um, kind of taking over everything. Have you experimented at all with uh, Chat GPT? Oh, I've done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I've got a oh, bunch of content man. around GPT. It's it's awesome. I I love that. Even even when it, I mean, the website's down. Like every time you go onto it, and then it's like it's like write a haiku about why Chat GPT shouldn't. <laughs> like shouldn't invest more money into having their servers like be even greater and you know microsoft and 
Google are are heavy into it now too and building out and developing. But it's, I think, you know, everybody, the, there's always going to be speculation for any sort of new game-changing technology. And I usually do have my um, kind of the walls up with like, okay, is this a new flashy thing? Like, you know, a couple of years ago, like the, the messenger bots, Yep. Or, or, yeah, yep. you know, it was like, oh, this is going to be the thing. And I was kind of yep. like, I mean, yeah, like it's it's almost too like good. I And, you know, now you don't really see like you see kind of like a watered down version of it. But the things that you can put together with chat GPT, I mean, it can do coding. It can it can like go back in time if you didn't have Zapier and tell you how to code those automations that you're trying to make uh, doing it, you know, the, the real way yeah. with like the API hooks and things like that. So as, is there anything um, that, that like you've done in that world that's like cool to share about? I've done a bunch, actually a lot of my time now is, is consulting with companies in the accounting space that are, are leveraging AI to either build new products or, build on top of existing products in a, in an exciting way. I think a really easy kind of low hanging fruit, the text out there to do it today application is, um, is pulling GPT into, uh, email communications in your practice management system, and then vector search across documents and projects and tasks and all that. So what that looks like is the is AI will have a, a, especially in our industry, will have a data access problem is it needs access to all the information in order to be able to do things in intelligent ways. And the only place where that really exists today is in cloud practice management systems. You've got your projects, your tasks, your files, and your email. So if I get an email asking for a status check-in on a tax return, your practice management system is the only place that can see, uh, oh, it's, it's in this you know, review step, it's been there for three days, that usually means it's going to be done in 10 days or something like that. Uh, and I can also see all of your communication history with Curtis. And so I can even add some context there. So stuff like being able to kind of auto suggest a more intelligent response to that with a tone of your choosing, being able to automatically fetch the tax return that they requested for 18, 19 and 20 to send to a banker, stuff like that. I think the I think that's probably the most exciting application to me is is that being built into your practice management system where everything already lives. Uh, but man, there's just there's just a hundred. I did a whole I'd, if if you're not on Twitter yet, there's just so many like so much great exchanging of ideas going on on Twitter. I've the pin tweet on my profile right now is like my twenty three AI predictions for the profession. and there's just there's just so much cool stuff in the pipeline. It's incredible to think that taking on tech, you know, it's AI's just sort of been in the background. It hasn't really had this, like everybody's heard of it. Everybody is kind of like, oh, you know, like Skynet. And I think this is, this is sort of the, we're in the moment of where things are starting to take off and it's starting to click. Like I recall Back in the day, like my family, we had AOL, like when it first came out, right? Oh, yeah. And 
And we got rid of it after a couple months. We're like, what, what do you do with the internet? Like, this is, this is a waste. Like we have to unplug the phone just to, to do what, to like, look at the Orioles, like baseball schedule. Like I already have a piece of paper that has that. Like, I don't see how the internet helps. And then, you know, fast forward like five years later and we're starting to understand how the internet works. And people are saying like, what's your email? Like, I've got to forward you this message so I don't get like 10 years bad luck. Remember those? We don't, those don't uh, float around anymore. I'm still doing, I'm still doing those. Yeah. <laughs> it's worked out so far. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think we're kind of, we're moving into that phase right now of like, where it was in the internet where everyone like has email addresses and it's like, okay, you can send an email to Jason and he can read it and you don't have to like put a stamp on it and he can actually respond to you. And then, you know, like AOL instant messenger and, and IRC and things like that, that um had the instant chat communication, which just, you know, so like the evolution of the internet, where it had been around years before that, but no one really figured out how it was going to play into like the big picture until we did. And then super exploded dot-com bubble, da-da-da-da-da. Um, so as far as your predictions with AI, so you would hit on the the intelligent responses based on the um like the information that's in your uh, practice management software. What are some of the other things that you think are on the horizon for AI? Um, I can cruise through this list here. Um, putting GPT on top of an accounting file. Um, I think the, the, the race is on to see who's going to be the first to do that. So you've got your accounting file, which is a standardized API where you can get access to all that information. You combine that now with the general intelligence that gpt has and you're going to be able to have more meaningful interactions around things like why were my office expenses up stuff like that there's there's a very like basic level of query that it should be able to handle really easily at the end of the day i uh, the advisor still isn't going to like totally cut a client loose with something like that because um you know an incorrect response in our minds means liability. So the advisor still has to be in the loop in that conversation. And there's, I think, different ways you can manage that with the confidence level of the response, stuff like that. Um, We're going to see a big step towards more fully automated bookkeeping. You already have firms that are fine tuning their own AI models per QuickBooks file for setting up categorizations. Um, So like, how those categorizations get done in an accounting file in an automated way. I think that's going to improve. Um, Tax research, I think is going to look fundamentally different. Um, The tax research suites that we have right now are, are done based on text matching. So basically you type in the text that you're looking for and it says, here's a case and a reg and a pub and some tax code where that bit of text came up. Uh, But now, um, a a better, more intelligent version of search uh, called vector search goes beyond that and looks at associations between words and 
more intent in like what you're actually looking for to actually like fetch more relevant information to not only pull up the source documentation that's most helpful, but even go as far as giving you an answer based on that source documentation, which may be a different answer than you get from, you know, the answer based on case law or something like that. So I think tax research is going to change. Honestly, the, the biggest thing and really what's changed in the last six months, a lot of people call chat GPT kind of AI's killer app. Uh, but what's changed in the last six month has, months has been accessibility. This isn't the beginning of AI. There has been machine learning. You've had teams working on this stuff in the past, but before it was like maybe 1% of developers could work on this stuff. What's changed in the last six months is, is OpenAI and some other groups have made APIs available to kind of do this stuff for you. And so now where before maybe 80% of developers or 1% of developers could do that, now 80% of developers can access it. And the novelty of ChatGPT it, it actually wasn't anything really fundamentally new. There were things very similar to ChatGPT you could do via API in the past, but now the novelty of it is anybody can hop in and in a very rudimentary way, train your own model to do what you need it to do. And that's the first time that normies like, like me and like any other accountant like had access to that and could see the power of that. So it's far from perfect and it has a lot of limitations, but like the best thing to come of this will just be access. The fact that more people can see it, can understand it. And you've got like, you've got people who actually understand the problems worth solving now can be the ones speaking into what those are. Not like a room full of engineers that don't understand the nuance. And yeah, you're right that, you know, these things have existed. I remember a couple years ago seeing something is it GPT-3? Was that the one where you could say, I, I think I had seen a video or something and the guy, he basically, what he was describing Instagram without saying like create Instagram. And he basically, he said into this model, he was like, I want there to be an app where I can take pictures from my phone and I can share it on a platform and I can tag my friends and my friends can also share there and they basically like just describing Instagram and then the machine learning and AI like built the app Instagram just based off of them talking to it. So these things they have existed, but you're right, the accessibility of go to this website and hopefully it's not down when you try to do it. I I've maybe tried to play with it maybe 10 times. I've gotten in like three. Yeah. And but the stuff that you can can accomplish with it and it can do coding, which I think is incredible, yep. especially when things are deeper, higher level, not just like a quick zap of like, put first name, first name, last name, last name, email, email, call it a day. But when they're like a lot deeper and involve a lot more logic and less, less of a copy paste, it's really cool to see how these things are this exists. This is the now. And that, like you said, the public is able to get their hands on it and see, wow, I could type in something and I'm not just getting like a Google snippet answer to a fact, mm -hmm. but there's actually processing and thoughts going on behind the answers that you get. It's really, really cool to see. And I'm curious, is kind of 
leads into. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about the great resignation. There's no good talent out there. The people that are coming into the profession, they're leaving quickly. They hate it. They don't like the hours. They don't like the stress, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's been a conversation for a while. Do you think that the AI is going to help increase capacity? I mean, I feel like it's kind of a no-brainer just based on how the conversation has been going. But what are your thoughts as far as how AI can play into increasing capacity and being less dependent on the non-existent staff that people are trying to hire? Uh, it's good and bad. Um, the firms that are leading, leading into it, um, they will be able to keep doing more. It's widening the gap of productive output of firms. I mean, you still have over 50% of small businesses in the US are still on QuickBooks desktop. So the vast majority of firms are not helping clients integrate their business in the cloud, stuff like that, which now is really a solved problem that should have been done 10 years ago. Um, so there's a, there's a bigger and bigger gap widening there. Um, a, a, you've got a lot of systemic issues in the profession that, that drive out all but the hardest charging partner seeking types of personalities, which is not a, like, is not most people like the, the profession is not built on the back of the people who can make it to partner. It's built on a lot of other people. Um, so that you've got kind of some systemic issues that hopefully the larger regional firms, big four will uh, move away from because all of those people have left. Like those firms are in a really, really tough spot. So hopefully out of all, like just out of necessity, that changes. The problem before that though, all the people that aren't in the pipeline, you can't blame that on big foreign regional. Uh, in my opinion, what's totally torpedoing our pipeline right now is the narrative around AI and technology replacing accountants. So if you're graduating from high school and you see, I mean, there was something like six articles in the, in the New York times in the last two months about, um, the auto, the accounting profession being, you know, automated away in some capacity. If I'm coming out of high school and I see anything like that, if there's even a whiff of that, it's like, I'm not going to touch accounting. So it's a huge opportunity for firms. Absolutely. Unfortunately, the narrative around it and the fact that it is making us more efficient um, is potentially turning people away from the pipeline. Meanwhile, something like 300,000 accountants have left the profession in the last two years and everybody that listens to this knows there is such a like shocking shortage of accounting professionals out there. So will it help us? Like, yes, like the people actually doing the work, it will help us. Um, we really need to push back on the narrative that it's going to do away with us, if for nothing else than to like protect the pipeline of new people coming into the profession. Um, so I'm excited about it. Like it's definitely enabling a ton for me and for the firms I work with. But it's a double-edged sword. I think we see it a lot in the technology space of, you know, if you look at our company nine years ago when it started versus what it looks like now, a lot of the things that we were doing at that time, they either don't exist anymore or there's a relatively inexpensive piece of software that has made it so insanely scalable. Like one of the things, and I'll... I'll kind of breeze over like the 
the weeds of the techie piece, but like patch management on on a Windows computer, right? People say like, oh, you need to update your Windows and click install updates. Doesn't do them all. Blah, blah, blah. We'll just blanket that, right? So what you used to have to do, so 2013, 14, when we're starting is, and at the time, the cool thing there was we didn't have to physically go in to your computer, go to your office anymore. We could remote in. So at the time it was, this is cool. We don't have to drive anywhere anymore. Now let's manually get on the computer, apply this update patch, make sure it went through. Okay, cool. Copy, paste, copy, paste over, 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 over for all these people. And now there's software. You just load in all of the computers that need patching. You say, this one has these special requirements. This one has these special requirements. Do it. And you're still getting the exact same output, but you're not spending hours and hours and hours doing this relatively mundane task. So like you said, the double-edged sword, the, there are people in the tech space, it blows my mind that everyone in the tech space wouldn't be like tech forward, but that is the case. Uh, can't teach an old dog new tricks sometimes, but you know we view that and it wasn't a, oh no, like if the software does this, now we don't have a job anymore. Like let's fight against this and showcase all the reasons why this isn't a good thing and why you need a human that can you know, call out sick or make a mistake, you know, all the, all the reasons why people are not the best for doing some of these tasks that have like a right way and wrong way to be done. But, you know, we look at it in our capacity, like clients that we could take on per tech, it was around like 200, 250 at that time. And then, you know, we embraced it and now we can probably do close to 400, 450 and be able to provide actually more value because this technology exists. And we're not doing dumb things that anybody, okay, you train someone for a couple of days. All right, this is how it works. Look out for this, look out for that. You know, it's about the, the value that you're providing at the end of the day. So I think what's going to happen for the people that adapt it and embrace it and see that there's an opportunity and not look at it as the enemy, but find how you can cultivate it on your own. It's just going to increase your own bandwidth, which then if you can take on more clients with less staff, which for a majority of firms is your largest expense, pretty much across the board in a service-based industry, your payroll is going to be one of your largest expenses. So if you can increase your capacity and the amount of clients that you can take on while still producing the same results, it's just going to drive up profitability and get rid of some of the dumb stuff that really it can be commoditized anyway. So you're also fighting the, uh, the price shoppers, the tire kickers, everybody's uh, like, yes, QuickBooks is doing bookkeeping for like 50 bucks a month. And if your client thinks that that's better than paying you to do their books, then it's in a commodity spot. But if you have yeah. the ability to provide more value, it takes it out of the equation. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of aspects of, of everybody's process. I think we all go through this cycle, this element of what do you mean? We're not going to do this anymore. Well, the next people coming up in this profession, they're never going to know how to do this. And it's like, 
Yeah. At some point, somebody said that about not being able to make a fire by hand. And then, you know, most people couldn't start a fire by hand anymore, but it's like, what's the alternative? Like you're not going to stop that rising tide. Like you got to plug into it and, and figure out how best to get it to work for you. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I published a, a YouTube video on why QuickBooks getting into bookkeeping is one of the greatest things that's happened in the industry in the last few years. And now they're doing small business tax also, um, which is fantastic, uh, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We, like we, it's human nature. We all go through these cycles, right? Um, you know, my, like what I do now after selling my firm is like, that's, that's the hat I wear is I just want to expose people to these things to enable that curiosity, um, you know, in, in support of the accounting profession of building more profitable firms, the age old problem of, of like, how do we, how do we build a culture of, of curiosity of people who are motivated to put themselves out of a job? Like, how do we build that into our culture? Because there's always another thing to do. Like uh, when, you know, when electricity was going mainstream and everybody's going to have electricity, they said everybody would be able to work four hour workdays, right? You're always going to find something else to do. Like it's, it's never going to happen where you just stop unless you say I'm only working four hour days and that's it. Um, so, you know, how do you build a culture around that? Well, the problem in most firms is, is staff aren't incentivized based on output. They're incentivized based on sitting in a chair. They're incentivized based on billable hours. So they don't optimize for output. They optimize for convenience. And oftentimes, a automated version of a process is less pleasurable than the version of the process that they've done for the last 10 years. So why are they going to try to automate what they do, right? As opposed to, you know, compensating staff based on revenue metrics for the projects to get out the door, that sort of thing. It takes, it takes a paradigm shift like that to build a culture of people who can't automate themselves fast enough. I always say, nobody's going to put myself out of a job, but me. Uh, and it, it honestly cannot happen soon enough because, you know, there's enough things to do right now. Uh, so it's, I, I try to tell people like find ways to build it into your culture and like, just get on board. And those are going to be the people that are, that are leading the way, I think. Yeah. I can't think of a time where we've gone through the, the hassle, right. Of automating something that we've done manually over time and looked back on it and been like, I wish we had done it just the old fashioned way. Like one of the things I've, I've shared about this before, but uh, so we have a couple thousand clients that are paying us monthly and maintain everything on their um, on their computers. And so every day there's monthly payments that come in and each payment that comes in, it has the source that it came from and the um, the agent who spoke with them when the deal was closed, right? And so every, for seven years, it was just, we know all of our clients and we just know, okay, this person spoke to so-and-so and they they were a referral from that person or whatever the case was. And and I, I had seen it, it was just like, yeah, we're spending a couple minutes every day doing this. It's pretty mindless. We know the answers for everything. Like we don't even make mistakes really on it, but we could make this faster. We could make this better. And okay, it's five minutes, but 
five minutes per day across 250 work days, you're, you're looking at three days of the year back in things that you can be doing that just are mindless. Then not to mention we and I'm, call it coincidence, whatever the case, but we grew 300% last year, 350%. So the amount of clients that we knew gets categorized here and with this salesperson or this person's not here anymore, or this one changed names or changed ownership. So knowing all this nuanced stuff, now it's just in a database, it happens automatically. And we, we pretty much just take it for granted. It's like, oh yeah, you know, 60 sales today for the day to start off. And um, yeah, because that's what always happens. And they're just properly categorized because, because we automated that. And we're not looking at it like, I wish we could go back and do that by hand and waste time on it. You know, there's, there's a million other things to be doing, like you said. So it's, it's not for lack of, well, if we automate this, then there's not going to be anything else to do. Like I, I almost wish my brain would work that way. I'll wake up mm. in the middle of the night and be like, I got an idea. And it's like, mm. huh, but it's 2 a.m. I'll just write it down and go to go back. <laughs> maybe, maybe save this for like an 8 a.m. kind of thing. Well, and I think the way that we justify that uh, accountants are chronically ROI focused. And so the way that we justify that to ourselves is, oh, let's, let's see if this saves us X minutes a day and this and that. And we do that math. But I actually think that misses the point because the biggest upside is, yes, you automated that thing and that's great. But if you split that firm in two and there's a version of the firm that never did that and there's a version of the firm that did do it, the bigger power is what's the next thing you're going to do because of what you just learned from that exercise and from what that's the team huge. saw from that exercise. You're so it's absolutely more about, right. It's more I didn't about even think about that. Carving out the time for the things that will compound, the things that are higher leverage, rather than just being order takers all day and solving other people's problems. So like, it's about like, how do I develop a framework to where there's a reasonable amount of time spent every day on the things that are compounding rather than just the linear doing the work that we're gonna get paid for. Uh, and then like the long-term gains of that is like obviously much bigger. It's, it's incredible. You said that, and you know, the gears just start turning in my head of when we automated that and it was basically like a new skill. This is like a, a Zapier, like yeah. 201 with like yeah. a, a makeshift database in a um, Google sheet is where like the stuff gets pulled from. And from learning that exercise, that was a new tool in the toolkit, which later on, We've automated some of the deliverables, like pieces of it. And yep. a big part of it came from building out the database that sources all this. And like the, the piece that actually started it was um, we had paid a developer and he ghosted me. And it was like, he had, he had mentioned in like the consultation, he's like, oh yeah, I could probably just do that in Zapier. And I was like, that's not something you can do in there. And, but then it kind of like opened my eyes that you could, yeah. and then, you know, digging deeper and deeper. And it was like, oh, like opened up a whole new world of, you know, when we run into problems that like, just because the 101 version of what we used to know didn't have a solution doesn't mean that now that we've gotten some momentum from trying other 
projects that we can see, like here's other ways to solve it, which streamlines, makes things better for you. It makes things better for the clients and it all just happens and it almost makes it look easy, but you know, a lot goes on in, in the background, but that's a, uh, it's a really interesting thought of what, what it would look like had that not been done. Like my, my brain's just like, what would it be like? had that not been Yeah. So the, the investment is in you, like the investment is in, is in the people. Like it's the difference between a fixed return on, on principle, a bond or something like that versus like your money compounding on your money. And so that's, that's the real valuable thing is, is changing how people think about their work. And so the hard question is, well, what's the right time to invest in leverage versus investing in the linear client work that I'm doing? Uh, and I don't know the absolute answer to that, but I can tell you 99% of us are spending too much time on the linear stuff because working harder and running into the same wall for the 10th time in a row is usually e easier than stopping and reconsidering how or why you're working. <laughs> That's such a great thought. And I know so many times I've been in that former position where, you know, it's like, here, I'll share like the wins, right? Of like, yeah, yeah. we automated this and like save so much. And it's like, yeah, and we'll just kind of sweep under the rug, like the first 10 iterations of it that were terrible. And we were yeah. checking yeah. it and you know, it's like, oh, we've got this automation, but like, don't trust it. And yeah. so now it's not only that we're doing that work, we're also like fixing the broken work until just uh -huh. like it clicked and it all just always worked. So I mean, technology, you can never just snap your fingers and it magically work, but there's so many opportunities for it. Any industry can, can benefit from it. I think it's just such a cool cool thing that you can look at through like any lens, whether it's yeah. like from the owner lens of increasing profitability capacity, looking at it through like the worker lens of like not having to do mindless, dumb things. If you are the kind of person that enjoys doing the not so stupid things, like everybody's got, got their things. I, I, I just like playing with dynamite and seeing what happens. That's, that's my role basically. <laughs> So Jason, I want to be conscious of your time, man. It's been so great talking with you on all these topics, automation, chat, GPT, open AI, and, you know, just the future of the accounting firms and where can people find you learn more? We'll have the links in the show notes. Um, best places are probably Twitter and YouTube. Uh, it's, it's just like, it's such a fun time to be an accountant. Like there's so many hard things and shortages and all of that, but in terms of how the way we work is changing. Like it is such a fun time. So I try to kind of capture that curiosity and introduce people to new things. Uh, software overwhelm has never been worse than it is today. There's just so much stuff. And so I kind of see my role as sort of being a curator of like how to get the best stuff in front of people. So just search my name on YouTube, Twitter, and, and you'll find me. Awesome. Well, as always, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it and subscribe. We put out a new episode every Monday. And thanks for tuning into the Tech Talk for Accountants show. And Jason, thank you so much for being on. You bet. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast 
to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.